I'm your host, Dean K. Dabosky, and we are about to talk to some really interesting people. Get ready. Are you ready? I, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, let's go. <laughs> no idea what we're talking right, about. Start us off, Dean. Okay. okay. Hi, Joe. What's up, man? <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, pal. So we were talking about work-life balance and, like, talking to your friends about how you have no fucking clue what your buddies do with their lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I remember, like, that's one of my new stand-up jokes, but the the real, like, moment where I thought there was something funny there it was my freshman year, like, maybe into January. So, like, we had been friends for, like, four months, and one of my friends looks around and he just goes, I love you guys, but, like, I don't know if any of you have siblings. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, we don't know anything about each other. We just know we like to have fun with each other. Like that's it. And then now I look into my like adult life, and there's friends I have of like 15, 20 years that I've like grown up with, and I just don't know what they do for work. I don't know the company they're at. I just know we have fun when we hang out on like Friday and Saturday. It's like the quintessential male communication skills. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) You see, they make the (laughs) SNL skits about this specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the like in college when you get to know somebody, the first thing there's like a list of questions you have to ask. The first thing you ask is, "What's your major?" Yeah. Like, like where do you live? Like stuff like that. Where are you from? Where are you from? That just all goes out the window when you graduate. No one gives a fuck. Pretty much. Very fair. Pretty much. I kind of like that. Yeah. I, I could use less asking about majors. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just so boring. I also hate the name game more than anything. Like not remembering people's names? Not even that. Like you say you're from like wherever, like Milford, Connecticut. And yeah. they're like, oh, do you know this person? Unless no. it's like your best friend, mm. then the conversation's going to amount to nothing. So I like to just have fun at that point. Like some dude was, we were doing it and he's from Ohio. And I just went, oh, you know LeBron James? <laughs> And just he kind of didn't do anything. He's like, like personally, I'm like, no. Like, do you know LeBron? <laughs> the kid from Akron. Do you know the kid from Akron? Yeah. Do you know him? <laughs> do you know him? You familiar? You're with from. His game? You're from there, right? I assume you just like know him. Yeah. That's so funny. I sometimes you just do bits for yourself because it's more fun that way. <laughs> Speaking of bits, so stand-up comedian in Boston. Yep. What is it like, first off, like in college? Well, actually, I guess tell me about college a little bit. What did you participate at BC uh, in the in the comedic genre? Yeah, so I joined the New England Classic, the satire paper, when I was a sophomore, and this wrote is the funniest aspect of BC. Yeah, because <laughs> I think what's great about satire is we look for things that people have kind of gone blind to, and then like poke fun at it. Where there was stuff like we were. One time we were talking about how, like, have you guys still, like, heard about, like, the BC look away? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, people think it's, like, a BC phenomenon. That's just, like, being an awkward 19-year-old to 21-year-old phenomenon. Like, yeah, if you're, like, if you're having sex with each other, you're going to be awkward and just, like, not know what to do or you don't remember their names. So it's not, like, a BC-specific thing. So then we started to think, like, all right, how is there an angle we can look at where BC kids think like, oh, this is only unique to here. Like we only listen to Mr. Brightside. Like that's our song, even though oh, it is- Oh, you're the fucking problem. It's, right. it's <laughs> everywhere. Like that everywhere plays that song. Like Georgetown thinks it's their song. We think it's our song. It's everywhere. It's like not, it's a very popular song. So I don't know why BC has just like claimed it as their own, even though it's not. Right. When some buddies came in from home and we played it at the football game, my buddy from Harvard came in. Yeah. We started playing it, everyone singing it. He was like, you guys are not special. Yeah. To be fair, though, when the chorus started and everyone started singing it and they, like, cut the music, he mm-hmm. was like, okay, y'all are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. But, yeah, no, that's, like, actually a great point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wrote for New England Classic. And while I was, like, thinking about what I – we also started up, like, a sketch comedy – or online sketch comedy group called Not in Boston – where it was kind of like articles that didn't work as articles into sketches. So I was like doing that, and my senior year, I did my first open mic stand-up at uh, Tavern at the End of the World. I had a lot of fun, and I just rested on my laurels for a year and a half. I was like, I did one open mic. I'm a comedian, and then <laughs> never did anything about it. And I thought, all right, uh, I you know, like right before... <laughs> Like, February 2020, I was like, all right, I'm going to get back into stand-up. Like, I'm going to go to open mics. I'm going to do this. And then the world shut down. Right. Awesome. So, yeah, from there, started doing, like, TikTok and Instagram sketches by myself because I just had the time. 
and then it all spiraled out into what it is now. So tell me a little bit about that too. I know I know the uh, the stand up part is the more entertaining part, frankly. I like to think so. Tell me about the TikTok part a little bit though. How did that start off? Your your when you could go back into the clubs and like do open mics. How did that start off your ability to do that? Yeah, so it was like December 2020. I was still itching to do comedy in some way. And I started with just like an anonymous meme page. I was like, all right, I'm just like, I'm going to go back to my New England classic route. Just do memes, do internet jokes, whatever. So every day I was like finding an image, putting a little caption on it and just making memes. And it was completely anonymous. So I started with the name Fentucky Fried Chicken because mm-hmm. KFC is one of my favorite fast food places. It's kind of a play on my stage name. So I shortened Fentucky Fried Chicken to Fenty Fried Chicken, which is where the Fenty comes from. Uh, and while I was doing like the meme page stuff, I realized it wasn't rewarding in that no one knew I was making the jokes. If they were good enough, people were just stealing them and claiming them as their own. Right. And I thought, all right, how about I just start supplementing with some videos because, like, I can't fit these jokes into, like, a quick image and a caption. So then I started making Instagram and TikTok reels. And from, like, maybe the fourth or fifth video it took off, like, it was a dumb sketch about uh, the intern who clearly had a connection to get the internship. And I wanted to make him so obliviously dumb. It's a little close to home for BC students. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like the boss comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, uh, can you get me that Excel report by the end of the day? And the kid goes, absolutely, dude. One question, though. uh, Is Excel the green one? (laughs) Like he's so oblivious that he doesn't even know the program he should be working in. And from there, that series took off. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep making more. Brandon the intern, Brandon the intern, Brandon the intern. And from there, I was like, all right, maybe I should just do videos So I changed the meme page to the video page. And once it got a bit of a following, I thought, oh, I can get back into stand-up with this Mm -hmm. because I've always wanted to get back there. And now that I have a little bit of a following, maybe people will want to see me if I'm like, I'm at this bar. I'm here. Wouldn't that be fun? So that's kind of how I got back into stand-up with the Instagram and TikTok thing. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Did that work? Is it a? Do you have a geographic following? So it's like a lot of Boston people follow you. It's so surprisingly more out? New York than really? anywhere. Yeah, because now I do a lot of like corporate America sketches. So it's just like major metropolitan. Oh, hubs. those fucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so like a lot of New York, a lot of Chicago. Surprisingly, a lot of like London in there too. Oh. Yeah, I didn't realize I have an international market, but you're, I do. You're, you're an international figure, dude. Yeah, like some dude from Germany DM'd me the other day, like in response to like one of my Patagonia best Patagonia vest bits. He was like, "Oh yeah, like uh, my friend wears these all the time, and I send these to him. Like these are funny. I'm like that's crazy that you're, you're from like Frankfurt, you're, Germany. You're German. <laughs> yeah, what? How how is this applicable to you? <laughs> but somehow, some way. That's cool. So mm. have you ever considered, like, going to those other cities to do a stand-up show? Like, if you get enough attraction? It is so hard to book anywhere. Is it? Like, I'm a one-man show, so I'm doing everything on my end. And the, really the way to get booked is to have either, like, someone who knows you in another place vouch for you, make the connection yourself, or just, like, go hang out and pray that someone's like, you want a guest spot? Right. So... Like, I have enough roots in Boston now where, like, I know people who run shows here. I can just text them, like, hey, do you have a minute or do you have, like, a 10-minute spot for me? Whatever, whatever. But to, like, expand out into New York or Chicago, I just have to shoot cold DMs and emails being Mm -hmm. like, hi, I'm another straight white guy doing comedy. (laughs) Do you want to hear me do jokes? Here's my tape. And, like, I book a show now, and if I haven't worked with you before – it's like the tape has to be absolutely phenomenal for me to want to like get you on the show because I have people in Boston that I really want to get on the show because I've worked with them and they're funny. So I'm like, yeah, I want to give them their time because I've worked with them. And I've seen them perform. If you're just like a stranger to me, you're much lower on the priority list of like getting on the show that I produce. Right. It's kind yeah. of like the intern knowing the boss. Kind of, <laughs> in a way, but it's more like a, I've seen you perform. Right. I've seen how you interact with the crowd. 
I know what I'm going to get if I get you on my show right. versus like a stranger. That tape could have been from like six months ago and now you have a completely new set mm-hmm. and like I want to make sure that I'm putting on people that I think are funny or will do something that's not out of pocket. Very fair, very fair. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the venues that you, you kind of consistently go to now? Yeah, so I produce and host my own show at High Street Place every other Friday. It's like right by South Station. It's this like food and beer hall basically in the center of like the financial district. Um, So it's a showcase. There's six comedians, including myself, each doing about like 10 minutes. So I'm there every two weeks. Otherwise, it's just like bar shows around Boston. Mm -hmm. So like next week I'm at Bell in Hand. Um, I've gone to like Bill's Bar, Lansdowne Bar, White Bull Tavern, uh, Bleacher Bar. uh, A bunch in the area. Yeah, just like anywhere that'll have me, I'll do it. And then there's even more open mics in between. But I wouldn't recommend anyone going to an open mic to like watch (laughs) because it's a lot of people testing out new stuff. Right. And it's rough. Like (laughs) Brutal. It's rough, especially it being like 20 people all doing four minutes. And it's a lot of am- I mean, I am an amateur, but it's a lot of like fresh amateurs. Real amateurs. Yeah, who yeah. don't know to like stand still when you're performing, unless you're doing an action like stand still. A lot of rocking back and forth. I yeah, r- yeah, rocking back and forth, or like not knowing what to do with their body. Like they'll they'll twist and like talk away from the audience. Yeah, like, people don't understand the importance of stage presence. Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, uh, Friday I gave the most dog shit presentation <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Word. But they ended by saying I was very confident. So that's half the battle. That's all that mattered at the end of the day. I passed the class. Especially the when class. you're like delivering information or a joke, you want to get people on your side. Oh, yeah. To just be like, yeah, no, this is right. Or like, this is funny. People go, yeah, maybe it is. I, yeah, maybe he knows something I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you get yeah. one guy laughing his ass off in the crowd. That's what yeah. you should do. You got to supply the drugs, and then everybody's <laughs> going to be cheering for you the rest of the set. I, yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Better be worth the payout. Yeah. Okay. Well, how did you find these clubs to begin with? Like these five or six clubs that you consistently go to? Was that cold calling or did you know somebody that worked there? Yeah. So you can just like Google Boston open mics. And when you're at open mics, you meet people who are very invested into the comedy scene. Right. And just by talking to them, you hear like, oh, yeah, there's a show on this day. There's a show on this day. And then if you like go and hang out, you kind of see who is running them, who is participating in them and just as you start to meet people in the scene they you kind of share all that information so like now i know more or less every show that happens in boston on a given day just because it's like every tuesday there's one at bell in hand every wednesday there's no socks game you're at bill's bar mm-hmm. every thursday back bay social club like you just start to get that map just by being in it right that's really it's a lot yeah. of recon. Pretty much. A lot of recon. Pretty much. That's and also like if you follow some of the production companies online, like Boston Comedy Club, they have like eight shows throughout Boston and you can see all their info on that page. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's so really like, cool. It's like, all right, they've got something in Brighton at Article Twenty Four, they've got something at Tasty Burger in Cambridge. Like And then it's just about sliding in. Or hopefully just like being there at the right time right. or having them reach out to you. Do they often, like, if you're there, do they often say, we need someone to come on right now? Very rarely does that happen. It's, like, especially for weekend shows that are higher priority for comics, like, usually everyone shows up. But there are some weekday shows on, like, Monday and Tuesday where someone gets held up somewhere, gets double booked, or something else. And if you're just there at the right time, like, you're good. Pretty much. Has that happened to you? Did that happen a lot at the beginning? Kind of. Like, I was at Thirsty Scholars Pub in Somerville the other day, and I just showed up and said, hey, you guys got 10? Like, yeah, Trent's not showing up. Feel free to go. That works. Yeah. (laughs) Because a lot of of time just being available, availability is the best ability. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how did you get to produce this show that you were talking about a second ago? The one that, that you're producing. I yeah. So I had done an ad for this high school. This is your chance to plug. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, every other Friday, November 17th, December 1st, December 15th, 730, High Street Place, 100 High Street. 100 High Street. 100 High Street. Be there. Yeah, it's good. But I had done an ad for them on TikTok and Instagram like a year ago. 
Because they're just trying to like prom- it's a newer venue. I think they got built in like 2018. So they're still trying to like get people inside, know what it's all about, figure it out. So I did that ad, went pretty well. And then August of this year, they said, hey, we see you do stand-up. Would you want to do stand-up at our venue? Have you ever put on a show before? I haven't, but I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I could figure it out because like it's not that hard. Like I knew enough. There's like 40 comics in the area that I really like and really wanted to work with. So I was like, I can definitely get talent for a series of shows. Mm. I have done like online production for a while. So I knew what like lighting would work well. I knew that they had like DJs and stuff. So I knew they would have like audio equipment. And that's really kind of everything. Right. And the only other missing piece is advertising and marketing. And since I have the platform on Instagram and TikTok, I thought if I just make a few videos or just like storied a couple times, I hopefully should get 20 to 30 people there. Right. And consistently we've been getting like 40 a week coming to the show. And that makes the room feel pretty full. Like I think maybe max we could fit like 50 or 60. Mm. So 40 in there, it's it's a loud That's room. enough. Yeah. Type, okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So I got very lucky in that they reached out to me. But now going forward, my plan is to start going to other venues that don't have comedy um, and pitch them like, hey, if you have a quiet day on Tuesday or Wednesday, let me come in. I'll host a free show. I'll get people in your door. So they might buy drinks. They might buy food, but they're there to watch comedy. Wouldn't that be fun? Here's a photo of like the shows I've put on at High Street Place. Interesting. Yeah. And that all stemmed from an ad. Pretty much. That's really interesting. How did they reach out to you to decide Boston? Did they realize you were a Boston-based comedian? This would be a good way to get out? Yeah. Okay. Because at the start of my TikTok and Instagram stuff, I was making a lot of Boston humor jokes. Like, because they were new for me. I'm like, all right. Like, I grew up around here, so I... You know, I had a lot of, like, ideas about what to joke about. Mm. Like, some of my girlfriends were saying that when they go on Hinge, they always see the same four prompts. Like, dude saying, I'm weirdly attracted to Tom Brady. Every mm-hmm. Sunday, you can see me watching football and having beers with the guys. I'm like, all right, there's a joke there. Mm-hmm. So I started doing every time you go on Boston Hinge, and it's just me being five different personas of, like, the typical Boston, like, mid-20-year-old bro. Right. And from there, it started circling around Boston. So it was very clear, like, if I didn't live there, I knew a lot about it. And then I just put in, like, all my bios that, like, no, I'm in Boston. Right. There's so. a lot of benefit to having a geographic base. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're trying to establish a, a BC base, which even, yeah. it was even way smaller than Boston, but it would, you know, be hugely beneficial because yeah. you get word of mouth. You know, which is not a thing because then it just it spins out. Oh yeah, yeah, really quickly. Mm-hmm. How have you how have you gotten to spin out more uh, using social media and all that? Yeah, it's just a matter of. I think the best advice I got. I used to. I was an English minor here, and the best advice I got is write what you know about, mm-hmm. because that's where you can be an authority. That's where you can show some insight into interesting stuff. So I make jokes about things that I know through in and throughout. I'm like, this is my experience here. I'm not extrapolating anything. Like, I work in corporate America full time. I've lived in Boston my whole life. And I know generally how to write a sketch. So I, if I'm making a video, it'll be either about corporate America or about living in Boston or just like an idea of a sketch. So as you start to produce things that hit on certain niches, people just get drawn to that stuff They're like ooh, i like when he makes jokes about nintendo and mario party because it seems like he actually plays those games he's or, a professional yeah or like i have a new series that i really love it's making up new corporate expressions i've seen this one right That's on really funny. That thank was real you funny. yeah and now like i'm starting to see more people do their own takes of it which is hilarious like the guys over at uh friday beers willie Denellen. Yep. He and his mm-hmm. podcast, they do, like, new phrases, but... Is he doing a podcast now? Uh, Yeah, it's, like, Playdate with Rusty and Willie. Interesting. Yeah. He's the one that went to BC, right? He Graduated did, yeah. last year. Yeah. 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 So they do one where it's just, like, sayings as opposed to, like, corporate expressions. Mm. And he he killed one the other day. I loved it. He was like, a bullseye ain't 60. To mean that, like, the shiny middle thing that looks like it's what you want isn't actually worth the most points on a dartboard. Huh. A triple 20 is the right. most. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That's like 
weirdly so, insightful. I, yeah, I know. It's really good. <laughs> weird, weird, weirdly comprehensive. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Bullseye ain't 60. So I've started to see other people, and whether they took the inspiration from me or not, I don't know. I'm not to say. But at least now I'm noticing it more. We're like, this idea that I had is now getting spread into other spots. I'm like, all right, maybe it is reaching other people. That's cool. Right. I know a lot of people would be like upset that other people are using ideas similar to what they're doing. Do you get upset by that at all? No. Copy you. If it's a format, like it's like there's only so many things you can joke about. Right. Right. So if it's a similar format, go for it. I'm like, of anything, I'm flattered that you saw something I did and thought. I'm going to do it, but a little different. Like, that's sick. And by no way am I saying, like, oh, they saw my thing and then copied it. Like, no. They probably had, like, they're smart, creative dudes who are pretty funny. They probably thought, like, expressions are silly. Why don't we make our own? Because it's not, like, a novel idea to come up with an expression. So uh, if someone, like, is using me as an inspiration, that's sick. I love that. Especially if they say somewhere in, like, a caption, like, I saw Joe Fenty do this. Here's my take on it. That's sick. But there's been times where people have ripped my stuff like bar for bar. Mm. And it was actually for an ad. Like my friend and I, we made one where it's like the kind of people you see uh, at every Southeast St. Paddy's Day parade. So it's like you see five different personas of like the one who got too drunk, the one who's never been here before, something, the other thing. And then like two weeks later for this like terrible after day of drinking like hangover pill the same thing like people you see at the Southie parade and it's like bar for bar like the guy who started drinking at 5am he walks in the same way that I walk in like holding a drink in his hand still in a basketball jersey I'm like bar for bar dude bar for bar I know that's a real thing in like stand up too Yeah, and then he plugged in his stupid like after hangover pill yeah. I'm like really not only do you steal my bit but then you do it for an advertisement where the yeah. fuck was my advertisement <laughs> yeah like throw me some jangle dude <laughs> so I know that's yeah. a real thing in stand up too like mm-hmm. a concern that people just steal your bits straight up yeah it's tough cause like also again there's only so many things you can joke about like right. the premise of like even guys not knowing their guy friends very well it's been talked about so you have to find a new way to make a joke out of a premise. And if you can do that in an interesting way or a different way, then you're fine. But even now, like when I'm writing jokes, like I've been watching stand-up comedy since I was a little kid. So it all kind of gets absorbed. Right. And you're like, all right, did I come up with this or did I forget about this and I'm saying it again later? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this an SNL skit I saw three yeah. years ago type beat? Yeah. Because I was, I have a new series where uh, my favorite Mitch, he- or my favorite comedian of all time is Mitch Hedberg. He does a lot of like dry one liners. And I had been watching him forever. Dimitri Martin does kind of a similar thing. And I forgot about this Dimitri Martin joke, but I thought I came up with it. Is that like, I went to the store the other day and I didn't know my size. So when the lady came up to me and asked, like, what kind of shirt are you looking for? Are you a large or an XL? I went, uh, I'm actual size. <laughs> and I thought I came up with him. Like, and then I posted that joke and people were like, that's a Demetri Martin one. I'm like, oh, that's where that came from. That is where that came mm-hmm. from. So sometimes you unintentionally rip bits. But after that, like I deleted the video. I'm like, I don't want to be credited with that because right. it's not my joke. Right. Yeah. That's very fair. So it happens. But the way around it is joke about things that you know. Because if you tell stories from your life, no one can really make yeah make it an authentic bit for them. That's fair. You know, one of my favorite. I mean, I love Dave Chappelle. Of course, I think everyone loves Dave Chappelle, and I know he tells a lot of personal stories. Yeah. Like, real? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or like fucking um, uh, Theo Vaughn. Oh, Theo dude. Vaughn, king is of anything, storytelling. Is anything he's saying real? It doesn't matter. He came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, I feel like my comedy is like 90% true. Right. Where maybe something didn't happen the way the ending I say is, or like maybe the details aren't correct, but maybe like the overall sentiment is accurate. Very rarely am I just coming up with something out of a contrived situation. It's like, all right, uh, maybe, okay, yeah, no, that works. All right, here we go. And I try it. (laughs) So you like take the setup? Something like that? Yeah, so like one joke that I wrote recently that 
is like the sentiment is true. Like I've been dating my girlfriend for six months now and she makes me feel so wonderful and amazing. And she just gives like very like wholesome compliments. Mm. So now I like don't need to get uh, objectified by people on the internet to feel good about myself. <laughs> so now I took that idea of like, okay, my girlfriend says very nice, sweet things to me. <coughs> So I don't need like objectification to like feel good about myself. So I just made up something that she could have said and something that some guy DM'd me <laughs> to like get that message across. Cause like it's also there's like parallel structure. Like it all works very well. Mm. You know, like I would say, uh, like my girlfriend is very sweet to me, but so are the men in my DMs. But they do it in a very different way. Like my girlfriend will say things to me like Joe. Every minute with you is a minute better spent. And it seems like you and I were put on this earth just for each other, just us two. And I'm like, wow, you mean that? There's so many people. But then the men in my DMs, they really just go above and beyond to make me feel special. Like they really pull out all the stops. They'll say things like, I would break every couch and chair on earth for you so that the only place you could sit is my face. <laughs> <laughs> Completely made up that DM, completely made up <laughs> what my girlfriend said. But the idea is there. I'm like, okay, I don't need to be objectified. <laughs> you know? Every couch and Yeah, feel free to use that line. It's a good one. It's <laughs> a real good one, bro. I, I was proud when I wrote that. I'm like, that's funny. <laughs> and then my tag at the end of it, I'm like, oh, you mean it? There's so many chairs. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So like the situation is like it's made up, but the feeling is there. Like I don't The sentiment was there. The sentiment the was there. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate because like I wrote that joke very well and like I came up with that DM and it just seems like I'm telling a story. Right. I want people to be like, that's a really good line. <laughs> I would break every chair and couch. Dude, it's like when you get those DMs on Instagram from the sugar daddies oh, in my God. Like, Southeast Asia. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, like, give us two thousand dollars and we'll give you eight million. <laughs> I'm like, bet, I'm in. <laughs> Just a small investment of 10 yeah. grand. We can flip it for $30 million. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I can't no, that's it's this funny. easy. I can't believe they found my private Instagram account and really thought I was the, the, the big one ticket. For them. Yeah. <laughs> so setting up the jokes, setting up the mm -hmm. jokes. That's, I know, like, all the big comedians do that, obviously, yeah. except for Theo Vaughn. I'm convinced he's an alien and nothing he said is real. <laughs> and, and that maybe he's, you know, didn't even have a childhood and everything yeah. he said there is just a figment of our imagination. Mm -hmm. But um, what are some other ways you come up with jokes? Like talking about what you know, you know, yeah. like taking similar situations. What are like some other ways that you come up with punchlines, for example? I know that can be the, the tough part, you know? Yeah, it's noticing when you, for me, it's like, have I said something funny in a conversation? that worked and then it's like sitting with that idea setting and, something up around it yeah and making it into like a stand-up joke as opposed to just like riffing with your friends like um i'm trying to think of one recently oh yeah my i was talking with my girlfriend and we were just saying that she loves eggplant parm and i'm like it's ridiculous that eggplant has tricked us into being chicken like, in no world has eggplant been able to pull that off. Like, if you got eggplant nuggets or eggplant tenders, that'd be disgusting. Yeah. But somehow we're like, oh, chicken parm, the most delicious thing in the world? Yeah, let's put eggplant on it. No one will say anything. <laughs> so then I thought, like, all right. It's actually a really good point. Just I know, so right? Separate from any joke you're going to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also another part of comedy. Like, can you say something that will make people go, like, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> That's interesting. Why the fuck is eggplant? So I thought about, like, what if eggplant was telling its father its plan to like replace chicken <laughs> like what would that conversation be and from there i was like all right i can punch in jokes like what's the main eggplant dish ever and i had to google it because i didn't know it's baba ganoush which is a hilarious word in general baba ganoush. <laughs> yeah so the the and then i was like all right if i do this conversation let me like over inflate it let me make it silly and then I realized that people know what an eggplant is because everyone uses it as the emoji for penis. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, can I combine having a silly conversation? 
I also do like impressions and like character voices. So I'm like, can I combine that? Can I combine this idea and then do something with a dick joke in there? So now the joke is I set up like, isn't it ridiculous that eggplant has pretended to be chicken and we're all okay with it? I can only imagine the conversation between eggplant senior and eggplant junior where senior's like, you're never going to amount to nothing. You've always meant to be Baba Ganoush. <laughs> and the son being like, I'll show you. I don't know why they have different accents. <laughs> I'll be the best vegetarian Italian dish the world has ever seen. And then the dad going, yeah, right. And that'll be the day you're the universal emoji for penis. <laughs> so it's just combining all of those little things. And like, just because I was talking to my girlfriend about eggplant parm, I'm like, all right, there's something there. You turn eggplant yeah. parm into a dick joke. Yeah, pretty some, much. Yeah, an Italian, yeah. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointed I, father dick joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just from having like a silly conversation and going, all right, there's there's something here. The amount of planning it takes to make a dick joke is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's an unexpected one. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So a lot of times it's just like paying attention to when something funny has happened and then trying to work a new angle of like, all right, how can I make this like a stand-up joke? As opposed to like, isn't it kind of ridiculous that eggplant is chicken sometimes, right? Moving on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like a premise can be funny. Yeah, a premise can be funny, but you need it to be a joke. How do you test that before you put it in front of people? That's what open mics are for. Okay. And oh my god. That's why we shouldn't go. Yeah, because I I bomb most open mics. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would go up there, I'm like, oh, this is going to hit. And then I get up there, I'm like, oh, that's a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. Or, like, I try something new or, like, a different format. I've only been doing stand-up for, like, a year and a few months. So I'm still trying to figure out what works for me and what doesn't. Mm. So one set, um, I thought, all right, let me start off with a heater, like one of my best jokes. And then let me just go into one-liners. Right. Like, I'll get them on my side and then just do all these one-liners I've come up with. I've never heard a room more silent than when I did this bit. Like, every joke got an audible. <sighs> I'm like, wow, I, I feel terrible. <laughs> so you, you got to, unfortunately, just be able to sit in some uncomfortable silence. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I'll be better next time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for disappointing. Please don't hate me. <laughs> I thought this would be fun. Is that that silence helpful though? Like you, the problem is at some point if you've made enough bad jokes even a good one might not hit I assume, right? Yeah, that's why you want to start off like they some advice I got at the beginning was to sandwich your material. Okay. So start off with the good stuff, end with the good stuff and test out new sh- new stuff in the middle. Just because if you start off poorly, they might immediately write you off as like you're bad, I'm not going to pay attention. Right. But if you can start off with a good one, and make it all flow through. If you lose them in the middle, you can still maybe get them back at the end. There's a reverse Oreo, you know, the shits on the inside. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> you got the cream on the outside. Pretty much. There you go. Yeah, because that's the way to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Because I was saying, I I can imagine, for example, if I would get up on a stage, yeah, I would shit my pants first off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I watched my first tape of me doing that open mic. I'm yeah. like shaking. I'm wobbling back and forth, like. I also didn't wait for the laughter. Like, I just started, I was like, I have four minutes. I'm going to tell all my jokes in four minutes, and hopefully they like it. So, like, people would be laughing, and I would just be talking over their laughter. I'm like, I have a joke to get out. I didn't expect all of this. I'm just going to keep going. Right. So it's it's very nerve-wracking. And, like, the first real show I did in front of, like, a real audience, I couldn't eat for, like, six hours before. Mm -hmm. I was sweating through every shirt. I was putting on and like even in the video of <laughs> that show I like do a hand gesture and there was just a waterfall under my arm like <laughs> I was pissing out of my armpits <laughs> So. I do. We do know what that's like. We're we're on a dance team here. Oh right, uh, on. we're on a Latin dance VIP. Uh, we did Showdown last year. That shit is nerve wracking. Like even even though there are twenty five other people on the yeah. stage with you, it's like you're in front of thousands of people mm-hmm. i can't imagine what it's like being alone yeah in front of even just a couple dozen That's and so also you like in a dance group like you're just being entertaining like right. people can just enjoy like the spectacle of you dancing and the costumes and everything even right. the music is fun 
But like, if you're doing stand up, it's just you. Either like, you're good or you're shit. Yeah, and you're, you're gonna know quickly. You're it. Like that's it. Yeah. So, but you're right. Anytime you get on stage and people looking at you, it's nerve wracking. And that's why stage presence is so important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And in, in stand up for sure. Yeah. Even for performances, like I used to sing in fucking middle school. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> I had a band called the in the middle school called the Voice Cracks. Okay. Yes, I was the voice crack. That makes sense. I was sense. the singer yeah. of the band. <laughs> Some nerve-wracking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you know the people around you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, just in middle school, you're constantly getting judged all the time by your classmates. You're constantly. like, oh, they're just going to hate me no matter what I do. I will say, though, it is there's something nice about getting up on stage because even if you're really bad, there's a little bit of respect there for like yeah. putting yourself out there, yeah. uh, which is definitely the case. I can say it's probably a little bit different for comedy because if no one laughed, there's no respect. I mean, so <laughs> like when you tell people who didn't see the show, they're like, that's really brave that you got on stage. And I'm like, I'm glad you weren't there. <laughs> I just, I basically just talked at a room <laughs> for, for 20 minutes. Yeah. And that was that. Fortunately, I've never done a set that long that has been that much of a bomb. Okay. Like, it's usually been like shorter shows. That have been so really I, bad. Yeah, I haven't had to like sit in it as long. What's the longest show you've done? Done 35 minutes. As long Ooh. as I did. Yeah, Northeastern had me for like one of their grad student things. Does that get and harder the longer it is, or do you get like into it? You know? you, the, fortunately, they were a fantastic crowd. Okay. So, like, of like, I've been doing comedy a year, I maybe have 45 minutes of like total jokes ever 35 of which are serviceable 25 are good like right it really chips away so i lost them a few times during the show of like all right that was one of the stretch jokes so i'm glad i put it in the middle but like uh like the whole night before i was just organizing like the flow of it so it made sense because i didn't want it to be like here's a joke here's a joke here's a joke more like i have a new girlfriend here's four bits about that before I met my girlfriend, I was single. Here's four bits about that. So it made sense in a conversational way of, like, what was going on. Right. So it, it got easier in that I felt like it was – I had their attention the whole way through. They're like, all right, we're going to sit for 30 minutes and watch this kid. So uh, it was nerve-wracking to, like, put it all together. But once I got there, I only checked my notes once. Right. Yeah. I know that – um like a really big part of comedy now, especially like guys on TikTok like Matt Reif. They do the interactions. The yeah, crowd. the crowd work. Do you ever do that? I hate crowd work. Ugh. I hate crowd work so much. Because like, what if you get a dud? What if I'm not quick enough? You make fun and, of the dud. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck up the dud. <laughs> but like, then that's no fun. That's fair. So that's I have fair. I have a new bit where like I make fun of crowd work in of itself where okay. the whole, I lead off, I'm like, I hate crowd work because people are scary, but... Uh, <laughs> But I feel like for crowd work to work, you kind of have to be a little cutting. You kind of have to be a little edgy. And that's just not my style. I feel like if I were to do crowd work, it would look like this. And then I just give like a really nice compliment to one person and then a really nice compliment to a second person. And then I look at a third guy and like I try to pick out some like some Chad, basically. Right. Like yeah. I, if they're in a Patagonia vest, perfect. I'm picking you for this one. <laughs> I look at them and I go, and you, my man. All right, moving on. And I just let that be the joke. <laughs> So it's very clear, like, oh, he had nothing nice at all to say. Yeah. And it's canned. Like, uh, it's not crowd work. But it kind of looks like it. Like a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I see that. That's really that's yeah. a smart way to do that. So at Northeastern, yeah. when I did that bit, I was like, you know what? Let me try doing crowd work at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it was also for, like, all the grad students. So I kind of knew going in, like, they were going to have an impressive major. Or, right. like, they were going to have an impressive internship or something to that regard. And I'm like, all right, I can make a joke about how, like, I'm a stand-up comedian and my parents aren't proud of me. Like, <laughs> no matter what he says, I can make a joke about that, but it seems like it's off the cuff. Right. So I did that a little bit. But even then, I'm like, this isn't my favorite thing to do. Right, right. I worked hard on, like, this writing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the writing stuff. Because uh, I know for a 35-minute set, there's got to be a lot of preparation going into that. Yeah. It's not just, I know there's the misconception that, like, you just get up on stage and, and shit. Yeah, talk the shit. Whatever. Yeah, that's not the case. No, it? I mean it's the culmination of like a year's worth of writing jokes and testing jokes and scrapping jokes. Like, there's been a lot of times I've gotten on stage, been like, "That joke's cool. I'm bringing it with me." And then six months later, I'm like, "I hate that joke. Mm-hmm. That joke doesn't work anymore." Yeah. So, especially if it's like time sensitive, 
you you can't keep telling it. You do a lot of the time sensitive ones. One of stuff that's going on. Yeah, one of my like first jokes I really liked. It made fun of how like every it was like during the Me Too movement we were just finding out that so many men were predators in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a joke about that. But now that like people have kind of forgot all of the like main villains in that episode or like in that time, it doesn't hit as hard. Right. Because like I reference like the the setup is like I grew up in Boston, and I, I'm very familiar with the Boston guy insult because it's the same time over and over again. Right. But it's it's like the same formula, but not the same words. Basically, what they do is they find a characteristic about you, they call you a celebrity with the same one, and they tell you to go fuck yourself. Like every time, that's what Point. it is. <laughs> So, well, so, give me an ex- give me an example. Give me an example. Perfect. So Fuck like me up. <laughs> for me, usually like you usually for me like I'm blonde. I'd be holding a microphone. Mm. They're like, "Hey, Ryan Seacrest, why don't you take that microphone and shove it up your ass?" <laughs> <laughs> or like for okay. you, like okay. you got that old school Justin Bieber flow. They would just call you Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's it. They'd be like, I just need a haircut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd just be like, "Shut up, Bieber," and like that's the whole. That's it. That's yeah, the that's bit. the whole insult. So then I thought, like, all right, well, what, like, these references are outdated. Like, they're taking pop culture figures from, like, 20, 30 years ago. Right. I'm excited for when it's, like, a guy's my age making these jokes in 20, 30 years. So, like, let's say a guy's being creepy to a girl or whatever. They'll be like, hey, Matt Lauer, why don't you unlock that door? Or, hey, Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did, like, four more examples of, like, uh, who is it? Like, Louis C.K., Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> um, Jeffrey Tambor. Like, I was, at one point, I just listed, like, 18 celebrities. <laughs> you know? I'm like, well, that's, you know. I could keep going, but I don't want to mention, like, James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck, Ben Roethlisberger, Deshaun Watson. And, like, really, I just listed, like, 20 people. I do that joke. If I did that joke now, people would be like, oh, yeah, oh, I remember when all that news came out. So it's, like, less topical. Right. It doesn't hit as hard. Right. If you have to think about it too much. Yeah. So I just scrapped that whole joke. Like, it doesn't play anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was, like, a two-minute joke. (laughs) Like, (sighs) Damn it! I, uh, oh, what a good one. Yeah, can people can people be bad again? <laughs> <laughs> so I can be funny. Uh, trying to be the next Hannibal Buress. That's what you're trying to do. <laughs> I love Hannibal Buress, dude. He's real good. He's yeah. so funny. I love his bit where he's like, "If you don't piss in your own sink at your home, you hate the environment." <laughs> what? That's his whole bit. He's like, the best way to conserve water is piss in your own sink. And there's two major benefits. One, you get to feel like a renegade in your own home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so different in how he delivers jokes. He's less worried about death. Yeah. (laughs) He just does his thing. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to talk. Yeah, that's real fair. (laughs) Anyway, I want to ask a little bit about Work-life balance. Yeah. Also, what are we coming, like 42 minutes now? Yeah, now's the time. Word. <laughs> Word. Timestamps. Yeah. Um, so you are full-time in consulting, you told me already. Yeah. So how do you balance doing that? Because obviously, I'm assuming it takes up a vast majority of your time. How do you balance that in comedy? Yeah, it's like a true, like, nine to six most days. Okay. And uh, I think... Because I have two things, like I have my corporate gig and I have my like online and performance comedy gig, it forces me to not procrastinate. Right. In that, like, if I have to get an ad out for a company, I'm like, all right, I got to do that, uh, like once I'm done with work, so then I can go do my show later. Like, if I can block out my time, because there's been Sundays where I'm like, I have nothing to do but film one sketch, and I end up filming that sketch at like 8 p.m. Right. Because I don't have borders and boundaries of telling me you literally have to get to your show at 8 p.m. and you're done with work at 6 p.m. You have two hours to get this done. Go do it. Versus like, I have a whole day. Right. So I know exactly. I like having the structure from both ends because it forces me to like get my work done at work, do my whatever sketch of the day I'm filming Mm -hmm. after work, and then go do a performance that night. 
At the same time, though, I mean, you said it yourself. You're working nine to six plus yeah. most nights, I assume, on the weekdays, right? Yeah. If you have a Sunday where you're just kind of watching football, you know, it's the Lord's Day. You know, you have, yeah. it's the day of rest. You know, it's okay to take a break at some time. It is, and that's a hard mindset for me to get out of because mm-hmm. I think like I need to be productive all the time. Like I produce six videos a week, and I have mine ready for today. I have mine ready for tomorrow. I have mine ready for Tuesday, and still I think man, I should really film more and get even more prepared. <laughs> right. Because the work never stops. Like I can, I can always have a backlog of stuff or I can always be writing a new script for a sketch yeah. or like whatever it may be or like work on an edit or something. That is the nice part about like less intent, what is it called? Less um, like urgent news or like social media, stuff like that. Like this is what we do too. We're, this episode is going to come out in probably like two or three weeks. Yeah. It's nice to just be able to film in advance. Mm-hmm. How many days in advance do you typically film though? Uh, the most I've ever had was a week. So, so I filmed like all six of my week stuff on like the Friday. Right. So I could go on vacation with my family and not be filming stuff. Mm. But that's the most it's ever been of time planned ahead. Right. Usually it's a couple days here and there. But there have been a few times where I usually post at 5 p.m. It's been like 4.50. I'm like, I have to film something quick. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a one snippet joke, and I hope it works. Right. And what's very frustrating is sometimes the simple jokes land the hardest. And it, I should be appreciative that like you can write a simple joke and it works. Like my favorite new joke I tell on stage, it's a really dumb and quick one, but it's been landing the hardest. You guys know that game Never Have I Ever? Yeah. Shouldn't it just be called Who's Done Anal? (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole joke. (laughs) And I'm like, I hate that, like, that's getting the best response as, like, I wrote this whole hypothetical bit about eggplants talking. (laughs) And you're just like, ha ha, anal. (laughs) You know? But sometimes when I'm filming sketches, I'm like, all right, how can I just, like, deliver a quick one-punch joke in, like, five seconds? And sometimes those videos, like, rack up millions of views. Right. But yet ones with, like, longer, bigger concepts don't play. What is your biggest, biggest video you've put out? It... Oh, no. <laughs> no, it, it's a good. I just like okay. the story behind it. Uh, my girlfriend said... I, it was, like, four months ago when my hair was, like, the right length. She was like, you kind of look like Jeremy Allen White, the guy from The Bear. And I'm like, I don't see that at all. And she's like, no, I think you do. And I'm like, I disagree with you, and I'm going to mathematically prove it. So we were watching The Bear together, and I had done a series before of, like, this is me one day after watching Ozarks. This is me a week after watching Ozarks. This is me a month after watching Ozarks. And I would go more into the impression. So I thought, all right, I'll just do it with The Bear. So I bought the blue apron. I had the white T-shirt. I drew some tats on me. I was like, here's me one day, one week, one month after watching The Bear. And by the end, I'm just doing like the cousin, uh, get to your station, fucking thank you, (laughs) chef. And then walks out and that got 10 million views. And I'm like, damn, ah, my girlfriend was right. (laughs) (laughs) Because all people are like, it's uncanny. You look just like him. I'm like, I really don't think I do. We just like are both. We got got the pick up here. (laughs) Wait, but yeah, put this on the screen. Yeah, like I, I don't think I look like him. Maybe I mean, a little. My bit. hair, like we kind of have the same eyes. Like, I, I Dude, get. Look at me, look at me straight on, real quick. Yeah, well, my hair's a lot longer now, but yeah. I mean, it's like it's close enough that for the a silly video, it might work. Do the like, picture of him without a shirt on. Yeah. Yeah, that's straight up. There it is. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, I there wish, it is, baby. I wish I was that Joe! cut. Joe! I wish I was that cut, dude. Damn. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just be a, be on the bear, dude. Uh, that will do it. Did yeah. you watch that whole series, too? Yeah. Okay. I got halfway through season two, though, but I okay. did watch all of season one. Gotcha. One like I'm a shameless yeah. fan, so this guy was originally right a shame. Love that show. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of, like, oh, Young Lip, you know? Young Lip. Yeah. Yep. yep, Young Lip. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And that would that one just blew up. How yeah. long did that take to like reach ten million views? Is that an overnight thing? Three days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like day one, it caught to like two mil. I'm like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna when I hang out with her tonight. I'm gonna be like, remember how I said there's no way you're right? <laughs> <laughs> you're very right. Like statistically proven, you're right. And then it became it outpaced every other video. I'm like, oh, it's. 
the best one I've ever done. Oh, no. <laughs> and she's still like, yeah, I told you. I was right. I'm like, yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> Suffering from success. Yeah. I'd, I'd argue that's an okay thing to be wrong about. Oh, it's one. It was like. Oh, oh yeah. no. Fine. Yeah. It was like, fine. But. You, you know. also did a lot of the big series. Like I remember you did the the uh, truthful college slogan series. I still do that one. You still do that one? Yeah, I that pump- was the first one I ever saw from right you. on. Yeah, that was a yeah. good one. Because like it, those are one of those ones where like if I have thirty minutes to like get a thing out, it's really easy to do. The hard part is just coming up with the slogan for the school that's not one that can be applied to most places. Right. Like a lot of times people like d- DM me suggestions, and it'll be like. A, a small private college in New England and they're like it's a bunch of white kids doing cocaine I'm like that's most colleges <laughs> <laughs> that's not even niche yeah <laughs> like I can just say that about anything and it probably plays fuck it you could say about high schools yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so I have to think like alright what's a thing I can joke about that is more specific to that school like, mm-hmm. when the Final Four was happening, I was like, all right, let me do one for each of the Final Four schools. And Miami was in it. And, like, at the time, the Cavinder twins were, like, the big thing on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Those, like, uh, the girls on the, the basketball team, basketball team yeah. who are also who influencers. Don't play basketball. And as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. weren't that good when they played. I have no <laughs> idea if they're a good thing. But I knew that they had 5 million followers. I'm like, all right, people will mm-hmm. get this joke. So I said something to the degree of, like, you Miami, you thought Minnesota was the twin capital? It's actually our basketball team. (laughs) So it's like there's no way that that joke could have been said about anything else. Mm. So now, yeah, I think I'm on, like, part 16 or 17 of Honest College Slogans. And, like, now I'm getting to schools I know nothing about. Like, I know nothing about Clemson aside from, like, they do football. I was going to say this is kind of – a stretch away from what you were saying earlier about only doing comedy about things you know. Yeah, because right? I started off doing the schools I knew a lot about. <laughs> I did like BC, BU, Northeastern, like the small local schools around mm-hmm. here, like the NESCACs, bigger schools that like some of my friends have gone to where I'm like, all right, I know a joke about like Elon in North right. Carolina. I got a joke for that. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, am I doing research about Vassar College right now? <laughs> <laughs> And I was. I was literally looking up stuff about Vassar College. And I'm like, well, they don't have frats. They have a lot of, like, uh, performing arts. They don't have frats, but they have acapella. Joke. Joke. And I'm I'm like, who am I? What have I become? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything about this. I'd say it's easy to do jokes about hating on BU. So I'm sure that came immediately, too. Yeah. yeah, What did you say about BC? Um... Something to the degree of, like, if you don't know we went here, we'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. But also, I've heard that same joke about, like, Harvard, Harvard yeah. MIT, like, people want to flex on their education. But it's a thing that enough people have said about BC that I'm like, all right, I, I could get more niche and get more granular, but I'll play to the masses on this one. Right, very yeah. fair. Did you, when you were making... Um, well, I guess when you were in school, but when you first graduated, yeah. did you have like a big BC audience, like a presence within the community still? Not really. Well, because I didn't, well, I operated from like an anonymous meme page for a right. while and I use my stage name when I'm performing. So, and like even online. So like I wasn't bringing a lot of people with me from there. Excuse me. Mm. Um, yeah, you're excused. Word. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I, I can't say, like, I had a lot of people come with me just because they're like, oh, I recognize him from B.C. Right. But even now, like, if you Google Joe Fenty and, like, that auto population section, it'll be, like, Boston College, Boston College Lacks, B.C., mm-hmm. you know, LinkedIn. Like, it'll it'll do the whole thing. Joe F- with an I, right? Yeah, yeah with yeah, an yeah. I. So, like, if you just look at the auto population, like. Oh, ju- what comes up immediately? Here, yeah. Just go to like, the search bar, Will? Yeah, just do the search bar. Yeah, like you can see basically Boston everything College. about me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> like Interesting. they e- they even got lacrosse. I'm like, yeah. wow. Here, put on the uh, put on the screen <laughs> real quick. Let me show- yeah. <laughs> look up my name real quick. This is actually funny. Let me see if it still comes up. All right, let's see it. It used to be when you looked my name up. There we go. It would immediately do a singing YouTube page. No, like, here we go. Oh, show you a singing YouTube page. Okay, not anymore. Yeah. What would come All up right, now you got your, your podcast. Now the podcast is up. Look at that. That's Pop good. In. It was funny. When you looked up my name, it would immediately bring you to a 
um, YouTube channel that had me singing Attention by Charlie Puth on it. Right on. Yes. <laughs> Sick. Doesn't exist anymore. Stop looking. Yeah. No, that, no don't click that. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. All right. We're done. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, have you reached out to like, I know you did the Heights article recently. Um, uh, the Alumni Magazine. Oh, Alumni Magazine. Yeah. Okay, got you, got yeah, you. Yeah. Heights also wrote an article about you. They did? They did. Oh, yeah. I yes. need to look into that. I, I haven't seen that one. Read that one. Uh, that was a pretty brief one, but. Okay. Okay, so the alumni one, what, yeah. what kind of stuff were they asking? Was it about comedy? Was they it- more asked like how, they were focusing more on, like, the internet side of things. Because, like, that's how they found me. Mm. So they're like, how are you doing internet? How are you balancing internet and corporate stuff? Um, And, like, what does your day look like? Why did you do this? Why do you keep doing it? Mm. Sort of thing. So a lot of what we covered here but they were more focused on like but you have a real job why 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 do the ha ha's <laughs> and i'm like you know I-, I love comedy but i love health insurance you know <laughs> and i know i said that joke to you guys earlier but like that's it's one really of my good. jokes that's it's really one good. of my jokes yeah <laughs> that's real good that's real good I, yeah it's weird being a, a comedian when you're meeting people cuz a lot of times like the stuff I've written just comes up in conversation. So I tell really perfected stories right. when I'm meeting people because, like, they're my jokes. Right. <laughs> right. You know? So. We're using a conversation. You just seem like the most well put together. Yeah. Has the best like, memory wow. The he planet. had really, like, timed punches wow. in that story. He <laughs> knew what he was saying. Yeah. That's incredible. He remembers yeah. his childhood so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's weird because, like, I'll make jokes and, like, or if it's a new one, I'll be like, Can you, I have to send a text real quick and I just put it in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were at BC, you said you were in the New England Classic. Yeah. Which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. Right on. <laughs> were you? Did you run it by the time you graduated? I was the associate editor. So, mm-hmm. like, the, the chief editor, he did everything. And then there's, like, three of us who, like, helped produce the articles, edit the articles, and, like, get meetings going. So I was like one of the people that helped run it. Okay. Yeah. And you're telling us about the senior shit post week shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So my se- this was one of the things I was very happy for. We did uh like I had been pitching ideas since I was a sophomore and a lot of them would get rejected. And when we got to the end of senior year we were like, well, like let's throw the seniors a bone. Let's do all the articles that they've wanted to do but we've said no. And let's just title it as Senior Shit Post Week. So uh, one of the ones I, like, I had kept pitching this idea of, like, <laughs> um, no, what, what, I'm trying to get the wording right so I don't screw it up. Um, well-intentioned douchebag does X. So, like, okay. I wanted someone who was doing the wrong thing but had a good reason to do it. So one of it was like, well-intentioned douchebag, kind of wishes he went on APA or some shit instead of drink for seven days straight during spring break. (laughs) And I pitched the well-intentioned douchebag idea like maybe once a month. I'm like, what about well-intentioned douchebag does X? And they're like, stop. We don't even know what well-intentioned douchebag means. Like, (laughs) it's not a thing. (laughs) And finally they were, I was like, well, senior shit post week. It's going in there. (laughs) Great job. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Great. All right, Fine, sick, whatever. dude. But like, yeah, one kid he did one that was just seesaw bad. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that was it. Seesaw bad, and it was like written on purpose, very poorly. Like seesaw bad. People in seesaw don't like people because seesaw bad. A and S good. Like, <laughs> it was that like truncated writing the whole way through, and it was, I think, the funniest one that came out of senior shit post yeah. week. <laughs> Seesaw bad because that was a lot of our jokes too. We're like, all right, let's make fun of Seesaw. I don't know if they if this is still. I want to go look at this after, but they had like the Seesaw ethics initiatives, and it was completely blank. What? <laughs> <laughs> like you know how they have those like highlight boards? It's like look at this trip we went on, and like it's a little There's bulletin board. Seesaw ethic initiative, nothing. <laughs> and it was like that the whole year. Like, <laughs> 
So that was something we would joke about. <laughs> Give the people the chance to voice there. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. That's real funny. Mm-hmm. How did y'all typically like come up with what to put up? Yeah. So the favorite way we did, like, we had a group me that we would uh, talk about all the time or talk in all the time where we just pitch headlines. And if a headline got a lot of likes, it was basically a sign to say, like, go write it. Right. Um, but when we were actually in, like, our writing sessions on Sundays, the when I was a sophomore, the senior, Anthony Parasso, he would just write, like, one word on the board. So it was our fall edition, and he just wrote pumpkins on the board. He was like, all right, pumpkins, what do we got? And then we just started yelling over each other. We were like, uh, someone yelled Blumpkin Spice Latte. <laughs> and we were like, all right, let's explore that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, it kept getting derailed into something else. And one of the articles I came up with was like uh, these guys in uh, sheet ghost costumes sure are saying some racist stuff. <laughs> yeah. This is the point of not being associated with the school. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So I could make like a KKK joke. <laughs> and on that note, we're out of time. Word. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> I don't know if you want to pitch your show after you said that, but hey. like this is your this is we're giving you two minutes here. Say Thanks, your, say your stuff. Yeah, uh, if you want to follow me on socials, everything is at Fenty Fried Chicken on Instagram, uh, TikTok, Twitch. Now I'm on everything basically. Uh, every other Friday, uh, I produce a show called High Street Hilarity at High Street Place, 100 High Street. Uh, tickets are always in my bio if you're ever interested. So our next shows are November 17th. December 1st and December 15th. Otherwise, um, if you go on my link tree, you can see shows that I have coming up and everything else that's going on. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again so much for coming, Joe. Thanks and, for having me, And um, go ahead and send them off, Will. And thank you to all of our listeners. Until next time. Right on. <laughs>